0: Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ+ communities. This is Well Well Well, brought to you by the team from Thornharbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Whoa, Whoa, Whoa here on Joy and the Community Radio Network. And now joining me, I've got two guests that I, I first were exposed to at the recent IAS conference up in Brisbane uh, that were working on the Fade Out Project. And it was a poster presentation that I saw, but I've brought them back to unpack what out, what Fade Out HIV was. So joining us now, could you both introduce yourself?
1: Uh, I'm Stan Pokerchevsky. I'm the COO of DKB Med. We're a medical education and communication company. And my name is Dean Beals. I'm the president and CEO of DKB Med, and we are based uh, in New York.
0: And so how did Fade Out HIV come about?
1: Sure. Um, Over the years, we saw a a study a few years ago about the use of barbers in hypertension and how, um, they were able to bring their clients in to be tested for hypertension. And it was a very effective way to engage the black community. And, and as, as your audience probably knows in, in the United States, the black community is a little bit disenfranchised from the medical community because of medical distrust. And we thought maybe this would have application in HIV, which is a very serious problem in the black community in the United States with a black man having an average of eight times more likely to become, to be tested positive for HIV than a white person.
0: And so how do you begin this sort of work? How do you start to take that kind of model that you looked at from hypertension and how do you, how did you mobilize this?
1: Sure. So um, as Stan mentioned, we recognize that there was a need in the community um, and that black barbers, black and brown barbers really have a very special relationship with their clients that goes back years. So there's a lot of trust. And part of the problem in healthcare, care, particularly among um, black men and black women, is they don't trust the healthcare system. So they're immediately a little reticent to go and seek care. Um, So what we did um, is the first thing we did was we reached out to a barber influencer. So we found someone um, on social media, a black man who had a very strong following uh, in the barber community, uh, helping barbers understand how to do their business, uh, how to run their barbershops, et cetera. We reached out to him. And uh, as it turns out, um, he, had, he was passionate about this issue. Yeah, he had a very special connection to this cause because very personal one, because his father of 20 years prior to this, had passed away from HIV. And uh, he really wanted to bring awareness to his community of the the potential of HIV exposure in the community.
0: So you've got an influencer, so somebody who can sort of lead the way and be kind of that foothold into the community how do you go about recruiting barbers to become advocates around age- or health educators?
1: Exactly, yeah. So that was the challenging part. How do you go from this to that full program? What we do is medical education. And in our, in our work as medical educators, we educate both healthcare providers and patients so that we make sure that patients um, are aware of their disease and understand those issues. And we make sure that healthcare providers can talk to those patients in in inappropriate ways. Um, So what we did in this particular instance is after reaching out to Tyreek, our barber influencer, we began to work with an organization called BarberCon. So BarberCon is a conference for black barbers, black and brown barbers primarily, um that happens throughout urban the barbers. urban barbers yeah that happens throughout the united states it happens in like four different locations so we thought we'd kick this whole thing off at barbercon in new york that was the original idea then uh covid restrictions required us to shut down everything in new york but um we had done some clinician education prior to this and we were contacted by a clinician from los angeles who thought this was such a great idea and if they could, if we could bring this to Los Angeles, he wanted to be part of it. So um, we, this, this whole thing is grant supported. So we reached out to the grantor to see if we could change the venue. And they were really excited that we were able to move this project forward given the COVID restrictions that we had in New York and that it, it didn't scuttle the whole project. So with their blessing, we moved it to from Barbican, New York, to Barbican, LA, with a clinician, a new a new clinician educator who was in the black community, and part of that community who really wanted to bring this forward. So, so now we've got Barbican, we've got an expert clinician in California, Los Angeles in particular, and we've got Tyreek. So now we've got all these kind of disparate elements. And what you probably want to know is how we put this all together, right? <laughs> so the first thing we did was we went to BarberCon, and we really tried to educate the attendees in a couple of ways. There was a main stage where we did a presentation with Tyreek with our expert doctor from LA, and also a community um, influence influencer, or just a, someone that was well known in the community in Los Angeles. So we went to BarberCon, we did a live stage, and then we did a breakout session for people that wanted to know more. And we also set up a booth. So we had three different places at BarberCon. The idea behind that was bring barbers into our network so that we could work and train them on how to talk to their clients about HIV. Um, so that was step number one. I, I want to ask the-
0: too, because we're okay. in radio here. So as two... White men, basically. <laughs> How did you, I mean, because you've already said that, you know, the in America, the black community has, has a, a bit of distrust in the health sector. And you're two white men who do work in the health sector. I mean, it's a knowledge translation in a different capacity. But was that something you were very conscientious of the whole time through this process?
1: Absolutely. Uh, and the grantor was a little, not, not, not because we were white, but was a little concerned that black barbers would not be willing to have this conversation. So I I have a half sister who is black and I had her go to the barbers to ask them questions to see if they would do that, to see if they'd be educated. So we knew we couldn't be the face, but we knew we could bring in other people to be the face of this. So we have several black employees, um, particularly his, his half sister and another employee. That were very much the front. We never went to any of the barbershops. Okay. We just thought it would be inappropriate for us to show up there. Um, you know, we can help push it along, but it would be inappropriate. We can't possibly understand the what they've lived through um, and the issues that they've had in particular with the healthcare system. But on the other hand, we understand it broadly enough to be able to direct the right people. So that's why we brought in Tyreek, who was black, that's why we brought in the community, um, influencer. community influencer and uh, Dr. King who was also a black man in Los Angeles to make sure that we represented the community.
0: Okay, so we can go back to Barbarcon now. So you've got the stall, you've done the session, you've done the breakout. What's the response? What what was the, you know, folks scheme?
1: Over, oh, overwhelming response. They were really excited about this opportunity. Um we, we educated a 1000 plus on the main stage, another Hundred and something in the um, breakout room, and then we had hundreds of people come to our booth just to talk to us. So it was really well received, um, and we had a lot of great comments from people who said, you know, this is really needed. We need to, you know, they also said that we need to do this for women and the black community, but we were focusing mainly on the on the barbers at this time. Yeah, so we had a lot of great uptake then. You know, sort of where the rubber met the road was we needed to make sure these people were committed enough to actually want to do this program um, in their barbershops. So from there, we identified 38 barbers who said, yes, we are interested. We want to do this program in our barbershops. And from there, we sent out um, sort of our group of folks to those barbershops to do additional training. So they did lunch and learns at 18 different barbershops, yeah. 18 different barbershops uh, in the Los Angeles area where they literally went, sat down with barbers and helped educate them on this topic. And more importantly, help them to try to say, how do you bring up this conversation with your clients? Right. And we can talk about that a little more.
0: That's I mean, that's what's kind of sitting in the back of my head here as you are both talking is, OK, so the barbers have this information. Are they just supposed to like sort of snake it into casual conversation? Do, you know, clients coming in to get their haircut know that this is coming? How did you engineer that?
1: I think there are all sorts of topics that happen in a barbershop. So I think it's open to just almost everything is open to discussion. So if a a client who's getting his haircut is talking about how wild they got on a Saturday night, the barber can then say, oh, well, do you know about Prep, have you ever thought about it? Have you been ever been tested for HIV? You know, not that not that this is an issue here, but you know, you really need to, to be informed.
0: And did barbers feel comfortable and equipped to do that?
1: Some did, some didn't. Um, what they all said is we absolutely have to do this. This is super important. But when it came down to that client sitting in the chair, some of them were good at it. Others, not as much so. And it, it, it's something they had to become comfortable with. And I think the one thing that we probably learn from this, if we do it again, and we hope to, is we need to give them more time to become comfortable with having those conversations and understanding how to take a conversation, as Stan said, about what you did on a Saturday night um, and, and bring it to a conversation about HIV prevention. Because it's not easy for clinicians to do that, right? So you can imagine for barbers to bring that up, it's, it's, it's not easy as well.
0: I'm Cal Hawk speaking with Stan and Dean from DKB Med about Fade Out HIV, which aims to educate barbers in the U.S. on how to have conversations about sexual health with their clients. Did you notice anything that were like, I know, keys to success of the barbers that were able to do it, but execute it better than others? Or maybe there wasn't that sort of evaluation.
1: The biggest barrier to this was the fact that they had other constraints. They're running a business. uh, There are many other things that are happening all at once. So the, the the biggest comment that we got was it was a barrier was time to do it all. And making sure that it was top of mind, even though we had a lot of materials, we provided tons of educational materials for the barbers. We provided educational materials for their clients. So those were all in the shop. Um, but at the end of the day, it was remembering to have that conversation and feeling comfortable to bring it up. Um, so
0: how long did the program run for?
1: Well, I think we got the grant in 2019 or 2019. Uh, And then we did our first, we did the um, BarberCon in 2021 because we had COVID hit in the middle of it. Uh, So we weren't able to get running into 2021 and then we wound up in 2022. So it was about six to eight months of a grant and it it kept kind of maturing along the way. And we would learn, I mean, that that was the thing that was nice about this program. So we'd go do a couple of barbershops we'd learn from that. They'd come back and report back to us, and then we could sort of shift our strategy a little bit to make sure that it worked. The other thing that we did that's sort of equally important is once the barbers educated their clients, we wanted to make sure that they had someplace to go. A lot of folks do programs where they educate barbers to talk about X, Y, or Z, but then there's not that follow-through, and we wanted to make sure that they could take that information and do something with it. So we educated 297 community clinicians in Los Angeles and put together a referral network so that that barber, if his client said to him, hey, yeah, this is something I might be interested in doing. He had a list of clinics that were educated, 18 18 different clinics that were educated and ready to go where they could go get tested. So that was important. And the other part of it was, we can talk about this in more detail if you like, um, we offered an incentive of a free haircut coupon. If you went to that clinician, got tested for HIV, you would get a haircut coupon to come back to that same barber and get your haircut for free.
0: So, yeah, let's talk about that. How many people took that offer up?
1: 309 people total got tested. We did one other thing um, because we thought this would be an interesting way to reach people as well. We partnered with a group called Crescent Care. No. Sorry, not Crescent we Care. Par- we partnered with name? Charles Drew from oh, Los Angeles, which is a, a medical university. And they had a number of clinics throughout there and uh, our faculty was affiliated with them. Um, so we partnered with Charles Drew and we our barbers were invited to a health fair to discuss HIV and anybody who just uh, dis- agreed to get an a- HIV test also got a haircut that day. Okay. So, so we had haircut. we actually had barbers cutting hair at this health center. I think what this, this brings to, and this is what this was all about, is healthcare needs to be brought to people. We can't make people go to healthcare, particularly younger people, certainly people in the black and brown communities, they're, they're more reluctant to go to a healthcare provider. But if you bring that care to them in a place where they feel comfortable, like their barbershops, for instance, um, it makes it a whole lot easier to have that conversation.
0: Well, I think also on top of that is you found a modality where, you know in a day and age when we've disruptive and so many ways that people engage with health information, it has to be short and sharp and it's on TikTok or it's on a Facebook ad. You found an instance where you actually can't make a haircut much faster without compromising the quality of the haircut. So you're kind of seated for the whole performance and a, and a captive audience in, a, in such a clever way. Um, so I think that's really quite remarkable, I guess, about this modality that you've found along the way. Um, so no, Now, you've had this paper at IAS. Is this the first time that you've presented, or sorry, I should say, the first time you've presented this poster?
1: It is the first time we've presented the poster. We're actually... Um, right now, we've submitted it to uh, other meetings, specifically the European uh, HIV meeting at IDSA, which is another uh, infectious disease meeting in New York. But this is the first time. This is the first time that we've presented it.
0: Are you hoping to, you know, expand on this and, and keep it going? Or
1: yeah, we actually submitted a grant uh, to do this in Philadelphia. So hopefully, we'll take what we learned in Los Angeles. And we'll move it to Philadelphia. And and you know, take some of those learnings which are so important about making sure that we spend enough time um, with the barbers to make them feel more comfortable. Uh, and also we were we were originally concerned about um, testing sort of testing at the barbershop. Testing right? at the barber shop. but um, with the health fair, we found that it was a, a, a great way to get them tested right away. So we're thinking about incorporating tests at the barbershop, not by the barber, but by someone that we'll bring in to do a free rapid test. So we're hopefully gonna work with Penn Medicine um, and they'll actually be there on site to provide um, uh, HIV testing. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this a few times on the show before because here in Melbourne and in Sydney, we offer uh, peer-led models that deliver rapid HIV tests, and we've done outreach before in SOPVs, and I think there's this perception, and maybe it is fueled by the stigma associated with HIV traditionally, that people go, oh, no, no one would ever do it, but we actually find that people will do it at you know, community festivals and they'll do it in SOPV. They'll even do it in bars sometimes. So I'm, unsurprised to hear that, you know, some people were willing to do it right there at the barbershop as well. So those are rapid kind of tests as well that you're doing. Yeah.
1: Correct. Yes. And, and then of course, confirmation needs to happen later.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the, have you had, uh, you, you had this, you know, running in LA that's kind of finished, but do you know, have any indication if those relationships and those conversations are continuing on beyond the life of the project?
1: Um, We continue to talk with Charles Drew and engage with them to see if there are other opportunities. Um, I haven't hooked Charles Drew up with our barber network, but I think just talking about this now, I think I'll, I'll, I'll introduce them to all the barbers that we connected with and give them their information so that they can be engaged in other activities that they have. Yeah, it certainly would be nice. I mean, we started this and I would certainly hope that the barbers would continue this. I'll tell you a um, just a little anecdotal story. So uh, Tyreek, our barber influencer, runs a barber school in Philadelphia. Um, and he was talking with one of his students about this particular program and how exciting it was. And uh, one of the students came up to him and said, uh, HIV is still a thing, it's still around. So, you know, because of the the, you know, antiretroviral therapy, and the fact that so many people are now living and not dying from HIV. Everybody thinks it's not a thing, not everybody, but many people think it's not a thing, particularly out of, you know, the affected communities. But it is, and it's a particular thing, um, and, and an awful thing in Black and Brown communities, um, way more so than in any almost any other community in the United States. That
0: I, I that I comf- Sorry, I'm just sort of scrambling for words here because this was something that came out of the conversation this week at IAS as, you know, Sydney was announcing that uh, it had virtually eliminated HIV in a neighborhood in Sydney. You know, a lot of people in the community were concerned because the mainstream, a lot of folks did check out of that conversation after the height of the epidemic in the late 90s. And after we saw combination therapy introduced, a lot of people kind of left the discussion. And even here in Melbourne, when we hosted AIDS 2024, or sorry, AIDS. 2014, we had some people say, and actually the anecdote that I've used before as a colleague actually was in a barber's chair here in Melbourne, and he worked here at Thorn Harbor Health or then the Victorian AIDS Council, and the barber said, oh, whatever happened to AIDS? Um, so I think that, you know, that's kind of a global experience for a lot of people. If you weren't part of the most affected communities, you kind of assumed it just went away. And so it just kind of reminds us the importance around, you know, for men who have sex with men, in a lot of the Western countries who kind of have stayed a part of that conversation for everybody else, they may not have maintained that same level of literacy. Um, so it's really amazing and a fantastic modality that you um, were able to deliver. Did you get any reactions from the people that attended IAS about your poster?
1: Oh, it was really very favorable. People were excited about the idea and the opportunity to engage barbers. A lot of people wanted. to, steal the idea and bring it to their part of the world. Which so we're fine with. We're, we're thrilled with it. You know? We're thrilled with bringing the idea forward.
0: So we might, we might see sort of fade out HIV initiatives kind of all over the globe.
1: We can hope. We can hope. Listen, anytime you have an opportunity to interact with a person who may be at risk for HIV and have a conversation and get them to at least consider getting tested or getting on PrEP, in whatever setting is, is so important. Um, You know, it's just, otherwise we're going to continue to see the numbers go up as they continue to do. um, And certainly not reach the goals that we're looking to reach.
0: Look, before we finish up here, I just want to ask, do you have any final reflections on your experience of fade out HIV and presenting at the IAS conference?
1: All I would say is uh, we were certainly very, excited to be selected we know it's a selection process and we were very excited to be selected to present our poster and even more so we were excited about the response from the people that we got and came and and saw the poster Um, it was it was such positive response in terms of the program and how creative uh, and how different it was and as stan pointed out how many of them said we'd like to sort of take this back and and do it ourselves so we're very we're very excited about the the uh you know, the opportunity that we had. I absolutely agree. I mean, it was a, a real great experience to be part of IAS this year and to hear, to hear uh, all the topics at um, IAS and to see how this really fit into a lot of the themes of IAS, of inclusion of patients and, and different communities that need to be involved.
0: Well, look, thank you both for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I know you're kind of just here in Australia for a little bit longer before you head back over over to the U.S., but um, it is an incredible initiative, Fade Out HIV. If people wanted to find out more about the project that are listening, is there a way to connect with the project or see more?
1: Absolutely. They can reach out to us. Um, we'll give you um, some information, but they can always reach out to us um, at DKB Med um, at info at DKBmed.com.
0: Awesome, and we can link to that on our show page as well.
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: Well, look, thank you both for your time. Enjoy the rest of your time in Australia, and best of luck with the initiative going forward.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time.
0: Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website